Hi, I'm Nina Samuels, and apparently you have nothing better to do with your time, so you are listening to the Holy Shoot podcast. Hello, he said in a radio voice, listeners, <laughs> welcome to the Holy Shoot podcast. Hosting this week, it's the AEW to Broads WWE, it's the Jason Norris experience, and at the moment I am joined by the Impact Wrestling to my AEW, it's Sam the New Japan Man. Sam. Hello, you know, maybe a couple of years ago I'd have been offended by that comparison, but Impact Socks, actually, it's not, it's not bad. It's not bad anymore. So I'll take that. There's me trying to make a dig. For our, see, Brod's not with us at the minute, so I thought I'd make a dig about uh, Impact Wrestling because he normally stands up for it. He does. Uh, oh, no, I watched Slammiversary, and I'm, 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 I might be converting over to Brod's, Brod's position on Impact. It used to be real shit. Not so shit anymore. Well, Brod will be joining us later to talk about other things that not impact. But Sam, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. It's been a, a really, really busy week. I'm incredibly tired because I made the terrible decision of trying to stay up to watch Fighter Fest. Was it Fighter Fest? Yeah, on Saturday. And then get up at half seven in the morning to watch the G1, which was very silly. I should have just put, picked one company and stuck with it. Uh, how about you? How's your week been? Um, I've not been able to watch all the wrestling I would like because I've had this thing called a job that's kept me really, oh, really yeah. busy at the moment, which has been annoying. Unfortunately, a very busy time for the company I work for has meant I've not been able to enjoy all the wrestling I would like, but it's okay, I guess. Um, I think talking about wrestling, so I think for most people it kicked off, I guess, this weekend that like you had the G1 and all the big companies, but our wrestling week, I guess we're recording this, it's just under a week, just under a week ago. Our wrestling mm. week started on Thursday. Um, where we had uh, we went to the um, Heather Bandenberg book launch for Unladylike, um, and that's where we met Nina Samuels, who people may have recognised from the new intro, where we asked her nicely to say how great our pod is, and she instead insulted us. But it still sounds very good rude. At the start of the pod. Yeah. Very rude match, but uh, yeah, that's one of the best things about going to the Resistance Gallery is sometimes there's just wrestlers working the bar. Uh, I've been served by Jimmy Havoc there before as well, which is uh, strange. I wasn't sure whether he was going to give me my drink or smash the bottle on the on the bar and then cut me up with it. It was hard yeah. to tell. I think we joked like if they had a cocktail like at the bar that was called like I don't know Jimmy's meat cleaver or something, you'd be worried about if you were getting a drink or actually attacked. Well, yeah, exactly, indeed. Uh, so yeah, that was that was a good event. So, yeah, I always I keep I think we said a few times it's worth checking out the book. She leaves enough to find mm-hmm. Heaven Vandenberg Unladylike. And it's a very cool read. I think you picked up a copy and had have a sign. I have, while yeah. There. Been reading um, it this week. It's, it's, a, it's a very, very, very good book. And the book launch was really great as well. Um, I feel like I have to give a special mention to a tag team that stuck out for me. And I think everyone else. Don't know if they'll ever perform again. But Big Dick Energy, worth, worth mentioning to very good people. Um, yeah. it's hard yeah. to describe it I mean that's the, the fun of, if you've never been to like an independent wrestling event it's hard to explain never mind an independent wrestling event at the Resistance Gallery but Big Dick Energy um, are very very chauvinistic considering they're in an all women's wrestling like match mm-hmm. it's, a bit of a, it's a hard one to I don't want to ruin it for people but it's not what you expect it's not what you're thinking and they told a great story 
they did yeah 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 if we if we gave more details than that it would give it away um but yeah you it was completely unexpected the wrestling obviously maybe not the highest standard you ain't going to get a will osprey match at an event like that but it doesn't really matter because you're so close so you get so drawn into the story and stuff that yeah you just end up popping for like a leg drop or something and it's yeah, fine so, so we had that a lot is ending this g1 there's a lot going on i mean We've been like busy, sexy beasts. And, you know, speaking of beasts, we'll be getting to that later on with Brod. So that's mm. like a little tip, tip to what's <laughs> going on. But yeah, this week, so after the break, we'll be doing a little chat where Sam was our, G, our G1 expert. We'll be talking all about that. I'll be giving some thoughts because I sat down and watched the Evolve show on the WWE Network. And then in the late night portion of the show, Brod will be joining us to get Extreme and talk about Extreme Rules and Fighter Fest. Um, having watched um, Extreme Rules with Broad already, I think we're bound to disagree on a few things, and that's not a prediction, that's a spoiler. So, <laughs> yeah, that's where that, um, that will come to fruition later. So we'll be back after this break to get into the G1. Hooray! So in this first portion of the show, we're going to start talking about the G1. Now, I'm already lost on the G1. Sam, you're trying to watch all of it. I'm trying to keep up to date, but I know I've not really been following it like you have. Um, Overall thoughts on the G1 so far, considering we are recording this before the Thursday morning slash evening or whatever time it is in Japan, but... So, uh, yeah, we're only two nights into each block, so there's been four shows in total. But already, like the predictions that I made, I've gone completely out of the window. Some major upsets, even on the first night, like Kenta beating Kota Ibushi. I don't know if anyone really saw that coming. Um, and bad luck Farle beating evil of all people on the opening night, and Zack Sabre Jr. going down to Sonada. All, all things that I had not predicted at all, um, and yet here we are. But I think actually for me, the 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 thing that's made like stuck out the most is Lance Archer. Like I now I think we we shat on him quite a lot in the G1 preview preview episode, or I did uh, certainly, and I have done in the past because he's been quite a one-dimensional, fairly boring wrestler in a tag team with Davy Boy Smith Jr. called Killer Elite Squad. Uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. has left New Japan now. Um, I don't know where he's gone to work, actually. Nobody knows. Um, but yeah, Lance Archer's in the G1 on his own. It turns out he's actually really, really, really good at wrestling. The match he had with Will Ospreay, and I know it was with Will Ospreay, was like a, a potential match of the year candidate, absolutely excellent. And then his match with Bad Luck Farle, of all people. Uh, like if I was watching the G1 as a casual viewer, I would have skipped that match. And I'm actually glad that I tried to do it the hardcore way this year and kind of force myself to sit through it. Cause yeah, very, very impressive. So I knew there would be a breakout star from this tournament. Didn't expect it to be Lance Archer. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at like block a looks the most interesting to me, just from that, the guys that I know not being as clued up in new Japan mm. and Lance Archer. Yeah, I, I knew of him. I've seen him before. It's a surprise. I'm interested because so he's like he's him and Kenta and, and Okada are leading Block A after the two events, each with four points. But the two guys I expected to be really at the top of this at the end are Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr., both on zero. Yeah. Um, but 
this I don't know. I'm, I'm not so familiar with the G1 booking. Does this often happen? Like, I'd imagine they want to have a mountain to climb for top guys sometimes. Yeah, but it's normally rare for the loser to lose more than one match. Oh, sorry, the winner of the block to lose more than one match. Normally, they go on kind of a tear and then they only lose to like one or two guys. So sometimes it'll be like they go through all of the legitimate contenders and then maybe they drop a match to Toru Yano because he's like a dirty cheater or whatever. It's extremely un- uh, uncommon and unheard of to have people be, yeah, this out, out of, I guess, what you might call their expected position. I mean, both of the winners of the last year's blocks, Kota Ibushi and Tanahashi, are both on zero points. They haven't won any matches yet. Naito also uh, has lost both of his matches, which is, again, that was... I have Naito in the prediction as going on a tear and not dropping a single yeah. match in all the blocks. Let's get to, we'll, we'll talk about block B in a bit more detail in a minute as well, mm. in terms of what's going on there, because, yeah, there's some surprises there as well. I guess in block A, so, yeah, I, in the preview, I was saying, what, Kenta, is he going to be any good, or you know, is he going to actually step up, or is he going to be like he's been for the last couple of years in WWE? But, yeah, there he is, having two great matches already, and joint top of his group. It's a surprise, yeah. So he's beaten, and he's beaten. Is it Bushi and is it Tanahashi? Two guys you'd expect yeah. to be competing last year's to win winner. Them. Last year's winner, yeah. Tanahashi. I, mean, I think the winner, and we were predicting that Bushi could win the whole thing. And yeah, they yeah, both yeah. Lost to Kenta. Yeah, exactly. And and I thought they set up a really cool storyline between him and Tanahashi after their match, which was legitimately a barnstormer. It wasn't even the main event on that night, I don't think. Oh, no, no, sorry. Yes, it was. Um, but but yeah, the, the angle after the match, I don't know if you saw it, where um, Kenta went to shake Tanahashi's hand and Tanahashi was like, nah, you haven't earned this yet and walks away. So then the following day in the undercard tag match, um, Tanahashi and Kenta had to team up and there was like a hot tag moment where Kenta was running back to his corner, sees Tanahashi's the guy there and then doesn't tag him in and carries on fighting instead. So there's some cool, some cool tension there and a cool story. The Ace of Noah versus Ace of New Japan, you know? Okay, I mean, I guess they've had their match. It's hard to see how this could build out from this. I don't know if they could do it in undercard matches as well, like in terms of those tag matches going forward, but they, they could be building something there for the future. As yeah, well, for sure. Like. Yeah. So some good stuff there. I mean, um, but Zack Sabre, why is he not winning? Yeah, I know. So, yeah, I don't understand. I feel like they might be doing some kind of big redemption storyline with him maybe later on. He has been losing, but there have been he still had consistently great matches. His match with Sonada was excellent. The moment when uh, Sonada put him in the Paradise Lock, uh, if you don't know, the Paradise Lock is kind of like where you make someone go into the fetal position, but like on on their knees instead of on their side. And then because of how you've tangled them up, they can't move. Obviously, Zach, so- if you've not seen it uh, in the Japan, like Jack, Jack Gallagher's done a very similar thing in NXT and in 205 Live, where it's a similar tie them up and then kick them in the ass type thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. That that kind of move. It's very cool. Zack Sabre Jr., very unhappy about being put in the Paradise Lock. Um, and then also losing out to Okada, who he's previously beaten uh, in the New Japan Cup last year. And he came very close to beating him in their um, special singles match for the title, which was at a show I can't remember the name of in the first half of last year. So um, surprising that that match, Okada, Zack Sabre, one of the shorter matches so far at 12 Yeah, yeah it was very short. 
It was a very hard-hitting, kind of um, aggressive match, I think. But, uh, yeah, I'm surprised. So, especially because he was hyping up, oh, I'm going to beat Okada in this block, and then I'm going to go on to, um, <clears throat> to, to, to beat him at Royal Quest in London for the belt. So then, because he, I thought, oh, that's definitely happening. It's a very ghetto thing to, like, signpost something obvious and then have it happen that way. Um, and it, 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 he hasn't. I thought he might actually pin a card in the undercard tag the following day, but that didn't happen either. They got soundly beaten, him and Minoru Suzuki. So, yeah, it's surprising. I don't know, I don't know what's happening for Zach. Maybe, maybe Vince Russo has been signed to help with creative for Goda, hence it's going the opposite of what you expect. Oh, yeah, maybe. You yeah, got, yeah. You've got, you got to swerve the crowd. Maybe that's what's going on. His, um, his backstage promo after the Okada match was very, very good. He just basically threw a big, like, childish tantrum, falling on the floor, pulling the set down and stuff. But there's one part where he, like, goes to throw himself backwards and then smacks his head on the wall behind him and just starts shit-talking the wall as well, which is quite good. So, yeah, if you're, if you're watching the G1 and you don't check their YouTube channel, I would advise you to do so because there's lots of good uh, backstage kind of storytelling and feud-building and stuff there as well. And in terms of the other thing for me I was asking about, Will Ospreay... Um, I think he's he's skipped out some undercard matches already this week. Are they confirmed if he's back for his next match? Because he's the one I want to see wrestle all the time, and he's won one and lost one so far. Yes, he beat Sonada in an, an excellent match. I think he's beaten Sonada before, um, so it made sense that that he would. But I think he's going to do better than a lot of juniors. You're right, though. He was recently he was announced uh, he's injured his neck, I think, but it's yeah, not neck injury. It's not a skeletal injury, and there was something else that they said it's not um, either. So it's like one that he's expected to recover from, um, which means I think he'll probably be back in the tournament. The other thing, and, and maybe you could look at this as a, as a negative in this age of kind of caring about wrestlers when they do matches, the G1 tradition is to kind of, if you're a bit injured, is to soldier on anyway and then work it into the story of your match, like have yeah maybe not change the results but it'll be part of the match for example Kota Ibushi's injured his ankle and in his match with Evil that was the story Evil's just going after the ankle constantly Kota Ibushi can't stand on it he can't hit a lot of his moves because he can't put his weight on his ankle so I think they'll probably do something similar for Osprey I mean Osprey's also not a human man so he might just be fine come Thursday and just sort of referencing something funny while you're saying that so Osprey for people who don't know, actually got going in the London School of Lucha Libre training at the Resistance Gallery. So the man we're talking about now has been in the same ring as Big Dick Energy. Oh, I didn't know that. Didn't know That's that? really yeah, that cool. Started, yeah. You haven't got to that part of Heather's book yet. She talks about that at no. some point. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I haven't. No, I didn't. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, that Will Osprey started off in the humble Resistance Gallery. Yeah. That that's pretty cool. I know him and um, Paul Robinson used to do a lot of backyard stuff as well. But yeah, I didn't know about the Resgal, the formal so, training. In terms of Block A, we haven't talked about, I guess, the other big name is like Okada. He's just soldiering on, winning both his matches, as we say, against Tanahashi yeah. and Zack Sabre. So he's still up there to be champion and winner at this rate. Yeah, I'm actually thinking um, this is kind of a redemption storyline for him in the G1 because last year he went a bit crazy because he lost the belt to Kenny at Dominion just before the G1 tournament. And then he kind of, people call that phase of Akada's career Balloons Akada. He's coming to the ring with like uh, 
with inflatable balloons and giving them out to people. He stopped wearing the trousers. He stopped coming to the ring with his jacket on. It was when Ghetto had abandoned him as well. Um, and, and he's like trying to do all these weird things to make people like him. And he lost loads of quite easy matches last year that he shouldn't have done. So I could see um, this year being like his his he's back he this is full full-on Raidmaker Akada you know going on a tear up and down a block uh, actually the G1 winner has never won uh sorry the uh, current heavyweight champion has never won the G1 in all of its history um so people don't actually know what will happen if he wins does he just get to pick his own opponent for Wrestle Kingdom does he just he wrestle, wrestle himself himse- he wrestles himself surely yeah yeah well yeah of course it's a very easy title defence for him um, you know, he, he, might have to, he might have to pin himself and lose he, the belt to himself you know oh, shit, be yeah, he, you never know how they're gonna how they're gonna do this but i actually think this could be the year that they pull the trigger on doing that i mean people always say this when they're talking about new japan but uh it, it would be a really good way of cementing akada's i think this is his third reign with the belt as as like the dominant and new ace of new japan that he couldn't beat tanahashi last year this year he's going to win the whole thing well, I think, that, I think that covers block A. We don't want to go into too much detail on match predictions. I think just yeah, because, no. depending on where we hear this, there's such a churn of matches, we wanted to talk more about the overall trend at this point. So, moving over to block B. So, also, two people we thought might be winning this. Um, Naito, Naito and Jay White, both on zero points after yeah. two matches. What Moxley up at the top on four. Um, I know less about a lot of the guys outside of that in block B, but how's block B going? I've been... Possibly enjoying Block B a bit more than Block A, actually. Uh, partly because John Moxley is great, and I'm really enjoying his little storyline with Shota Umino, who is actually Red Shoes' son. Um, oh, and that. Yeah, yeah, that's Red, that's Red Shoes' son. Uh, and, and a young lion. Moxley's now named him Shooter, and he brings him into all his backstage promos. Mo- John Moxley, like Dean Ambrose, is doing the entrance through the crowd as well. He comes in all badass posing and then Shota's just kind of scuttling along behind him carrying the championship belt. <laughs> it's a storyline I like quite a lot. They, they are in the undercard tag together as well. Uh, I think I said on uh, Monday at the meetup when I was talking to a few guys there about the G1, I'm putting my money down now um, that uh, Shota Umino's excursion, because if you don't know about the Young Lion system, they do a bit of training in New Japan, and then once they've developed enough that they can start building their own character, they go and work for another country, another company in another country. So some guys go to CMLL, some guys go to American companies, other guys come and wrestle in the UK. I mean, as an example, and, um, didn't Okada go to Impact? Or yes. TNA yeah, yeah. back in the day and was like, when no one knew who he was and they just didn't really use him at all. They didn't use him at all, yes. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, Akada went to Impact. Naito went to CMLL, which is when he became uh, the Ingubernable, or he got into Los Ingubernables that way. And I reckon Shota Umino is going to AEW for his excursion. Because it doesn't necessarily have to be a company that New Japan has a relationship with either. It could be anywhere. Like uh, Great Okans, you might have seen on some cards in the UK. Shigehiro Irie, he's a... Oh, yeah, right, I didn't realise he was in the excursion. Yeah, that's his excursion. Yeah, um, so yeah, yeah. So it could be it could be uh, AEW. I wouldn't be surprised given the the foreshadowing of this shooter storyline, which I'm enjoying a lot. But in terms of actual wrestling, uh, again, lots of massive upsets in this block. On night one, Toru Yano beat Tetsuya Naito, who I had predicted to smash the entire block in like a ridiculous match. Yeah, under four minutes with was it the low blow typical finish? It's, of Yano, yeah. Right? It's, 
Yeah, so it was under four minutes, but uh, the kind of lead up to the match added about ten minutes on because Naito was trying to was playing mind games with Yano originally, like taking ages to take his suit off, and like when the referee was about to call for the bell, he was sliding out of the ring and things like that, like deliberately kind of trying to do what Yano was doing to him, but it, it didn't work. Obviously, if you are going to go into a bullshit match against the king of bullshit, you're going to lose. You can't beat Toru Yano at shenanigans. He's the king. Uh, you just have to beat the crap out of him. He's not very good at, at coming back from that. So, yeah, that was a bit of an upset. And then the main event of that night, an absolute stormer, Jay White versus Hiroki Goto. If you're more of a fan of West, Western wrestling and you don't know who those guys are, I would say definitely check out that match. Hiroki Goto is like uh, kind of... Uh, an old hand at New Japan and he can still go and it, it shows he's been training at the LA Dojo with the new Young Lions there and yeah that, that match against Jay White was an absolute stormer nobody then, thought he'd do it and he did yeah he's had another upset there with yeah, Goto winning yeah you know, yeah yeah part of, this ra- part of this several upsets we've seen in the early rounds and then on the second night, uh, other uh, another big notable upset was Naito going down to Tai Chi, of all people. And now, you, you may remember from the preview, I was talking about Tai Chi having the magic glove with the evil spirit in it. Oh, yes. He's teased using it in loads of matches, but in this one, it finally came out. He, he beat Naito by giving him a, a strike with the glove uh, and then knocking him down. And then after the match, he was kind of unwilling to put it back in its bag at one point he fell it fell out and he sold it like it didn't want to go back in there and then in the post-match interview he was talking about how he could feel the spirit of Takashi Isika in the glove and stuff like this so I reckon yeah we're going to see more glove as the story goes on and more madness from Tai Chi so that should be a a bit of a different story than than you're kind of used to with New Japan but still a very exciting one um, I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. It does intrigue me the way you've described this to me. Yeah, like, yeah. The man of this storyline and how it's going to play into the G1. Um, crazy. Moxley, um, two wins so far, both yep. under 10 minutes, looking quite dominating, I guess, but he's not had a major challenge yet. No. So ta- the match against Tai Chi was a good match, and uh, it, it, it was kind of like... They sold it like Moxley had gone in quite arrogantly and then Tai Chi had surprised him by attacking him outside the ring before the match started. And then it allowed them to introduce lots of trash basically into the match, which obviously Moxley is possibly one of the best people for kind of... When I say trash wrestling, I mean like getting all the tables and the chairs and stuff out and using them in a way where it's not gratuitous, it's just violent and and that's really cool. I actually thought his match with Jeff Cobb was a bit disappointing it wasn't a bad match but like jeff cobb's match with ishii the night before was an absolute stormer jeff cobb is legitimately really good but it looked like neither of them they were all they were both either a bit scared or they weren't fully committing to things or they didn't quite gel right there was a lot of strange there was like a double clothesline spot where they just like gently tapped each other with their forearms and then they both took a bump and it looked a bit weird it, it wasn't i don't know maybe there was some other factor that was affecting why that match wasn't as good as it, it could have been but it looked like yeah maybe they were ill or something so um, i mean any other thoughts on you on block beaver like so far or things we should be looking at i tomohiro ishii is gonna fucking win it i'm calling it now this is ishii's year he's looked like an absolute dominant beast and he went over jeff cobb and jay white in the first two days uh, i that's actually genuinely 
if I could change my prediction, I would. Uh, I think Ishii's going to take the whole thing. I think this could be his year. He's capable of doing main events. It's time they pulled the trigger on on you know big time yeah. Ishii. I'm surprised because he was like he's 43 years old. He's a he's got to be, is it one of the older men in the tournament. I feel like he's never been at the very top. He's always just been a beast. No, no, he hasn't. But um, Tanahashi's not not much than him. I'm just googling his age now. 42. He won the belt last year. Um, so it, 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 this could be it. Maybe he won't win the belt, but. I could see him having a, a main event, kind of a, t- a big main event level title shot, for sure. It'd be impressive to see to see that, the, 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 pit, the pit bull, right? Yeah, yeah, the stone pit bull. I mean, on star pit. ratings, he is actually the best wrestler in the world. He, like, he, he doesn't ever get a six or a seven star, but he's like a consistent five star match person. Look on Cage Match at his records. He's got loads. He's very good at wrestling. He is a beast. So this tournament continues. So you're now you're picking who's your block A winner? Latest thoughts on who's winning block A? Ooh, that's a tough one. Especially given Archer versus Ishii in the final. (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly that. But but again, that is a match that I would have been like, who cares about that? If you'd asked me about it two weeks ago, but like actually that might be one I'd be quite excited to see. Because, yeah, Lance Archer's not not as terrible as I was expecting. But I think Block A could maybe be Kenta in the final if they want to push him, make him look really dominant. He's gone over last year's winner and the person... Oh, he's gone over last year's winner of the whole thing and his block. And he's gone over the winner of the other block who was also in the final last year, Ibushi. So, yeah, he's already beaten last year's kind of top two. Uh, he could go on to have a bit of a tear. Okay. So you're going, your your updated potential winner of block A is Kenta and block B. Are you going for Ishii? Yeah, why not? Kenta versus Ishii in the final. That would be like a a match of very 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 stiff strikes. That would be very unexpected. I think I'd mm. enjoy that. It's a very different size of the two guys as well. But that. Yeah, cool. indeed. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I think that wraps up our latest on the G1, unless there's yeah. anything else you wanted to cover. Cool. I think we've covered that. Like I said, it's ongoing. There'll probably have been a day, a day five or round three, however you want to describe it, by the time this show comes out. And then there's mm-hmm. several more over the weekend as well. So, well, I think we'll have to do a check-in every week where Sam tries to keep us up to date with G1. It's going to be hard. Yeah, we were at Karakowin Hall this weekend, so should be should be some big matches there. Cool. Right, after this short break, Sam will get the chance to talk to me about the Evolve show that I watched instead of any of the mm. other wrestling that was going on up until Sunday. Cool. Back in a second. Hey you! If you like the podcast, then remember to like the Holy Shoot Wrestling Podcast on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Holy Shoot Pod. Do it! Do it now! So welcome back after the break. Uh, we are now moving on to discussing uh, the Evolve show, which was broadcast live controversially on the WWE Network this weekend, uh, going head to head with Fighter Fest, of course. The beauty of watching on demand, though, is you can watch both, uh, which is what Jason did. So, um, yeah, that's what, who I'm going to be talking to today because I didn't have time to watch it. Um, so, Jason, what are your overall thoughts on this quite actually quite historic show? It was a strange one. I've never seen an Evolve show before. 
And okay, just because I don't really know anyone who's in Evolve, I just like know a lot of guys had come from Evolve, so I thought mm. I'd check it out. Um, it was very clearly like an indie show. Um, it made me think because a little while ago we went back and watched the first NXT Takeover, you know, the very original one. Yeah, and it was closer to that, probably you know, in terms of like production and like formatting, more probably more like that than what you'd be seeing in NXT now. It very much felt a bit like developmental for NXT, if that's a way to think about it, because NXT has evolved so much mm-hmm. over time. Um, it was generally enjoyable. It's hard to get really invested when you don't know who it, a lot of the guys are, but there were some good matches and things and things that stood out. Oh, okay, cool. So I, what I was going to ask is, because obviously I'm a big fan of Progress, and they're in kind of a similar position with their relationship with the WWE to Evolve. I've always thought of Evolve as basically being an American Progress. How fair is that comparison as companies are they very similar yeah, i mean it's a very fair comparison i think just thinking about the type of roster they've got um the fact they can be a bit more edgy um yeah i think i think a few people that i know have talked about the fact that this feels like it was similar to progress for them in terms of watching this show um so definitely i can definitely see that and it's you can see like these are the kind of guys that WWE wants to work with because it's a great place to like source talent or like have some talent training in Okay, so speaking of sourcing talent, uh, something I have noticed about this card is that, or just from reading the matches, almost every match has someone from NXT or from 205 Live in it. Some of them only feature NXT and 205 Live people. So did it feel a bit like they were padding out the card with these guys or do you think they fit into the show quite well um, not really cause a lot of the nxt guys featured i mean i'm just saying like, outside of like i guess adam cole and matt riddle there were some nxt guys but they've been guys that aren't the names they're guys that have appeared on the show or that have been on it before or just lost a couple of matches they weren't all like the big stars that are established nxt guys it's it's guys that you can imagine are trying to make the step up and revolve into NXT, and then maybe you know they're not quite featured yet. So, and I think that's something. You know, there were several names of it. Is it Baba Tuin was one of one of the guys? I think I pronounced mm. that right. Is it Sean Maluta? Like, there's a few names, and Brandy Lauren has been on the show before, but some of them had like one match on NXT. They've been used as like I guess lower card or jobbers as well. Uh, okay, so it. it... It made sense. I mean, I'm guessing, I, I know Matt Riddle was an Evolve guy, wasn't he? And so it does make sense for him to be on the show. So yeah, and that, and that was quite good. It was Matt Riddle and Andrew Gulak, who were actually um, in a faction called Catchpoint when they were in Evolve. And it was about, basically, wrestlers. They were like the wrestling uh, faction. And they used to actually be... Oh, I quite like together. that. So they were having this match and was like a reunion against each other. And like Matt Riddle had chosen a guy called Kurt Stallion to then be his opponent for the following night that came out with him. So they were trying to like help build people up a little bit at the same time. Oh, that's cool. So it wasn't like just a cynical kind of NXT showcase then. It, they were there to put over or build the evolved talent. Yeah, and they were, yeah, cool. and they were like... And then like Adam Cole and Akira Tozawa, they were both former Evolve talent. Um, I think Tozawa actually was in Dragon Gate USA, which then became Evolve. So they were they were bringing like legacy mm. guys back. It wasn't just let's throw someone on the show. It's never actually been in Evolve. They were it, it was. Oh, quite that's cool. And the other thing I'm noticing about this card is that it looks like there was a lot of stipulations. Is that the case or is it just like the the opening match is listed as a special attraction match here between Josh Briggs and Anthony Green with Brandy Loren or Lauren? Was that just... Yeah, looking at it, I mean, now I'm looking for the list of like the first match... 
um, was, I guess, it's more like a future is now showcase. It wasn't like there was any real stipulation. It was just, I think, I think it's like Progress does these tournaments where they want to highlight a certain young talent. You know, they sort of put them in the final of a tournament of like, okay, I, yeah. I, I, I can't what the Progress guys call it, but it's something similar, really, just in terms of showcase matches. Oh, um, it's a logical progression, I think, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. So um, it was just a normal match, really. And Josh Briggs is a decent sized guy. I think you know, Billing was like six six or something and two hundred and seventy pounds. That felt like that was inflated in terms of height and weight. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> when when you're on like um non WE shows when the talent's a bit smaller, you can probably get away with that. So that was there was that. Then the photo four way was just like a normal four way. Um the grudge match actually um between oh God, I can't remember how to his name. Like is it oh, Toro, like, No, no, the grudge oh, match was, the grudge um, match. Was Anthony Henry, who I was really, really impressed with, and he was against um, Arturo as it Ruas, and that yes. was more like an MMA match. Brilliant. We should definitely go back to that. Oh, okay. No, the women's no DQ match. That was definitely no DQ, and then after that, it kind of it became a bit more sensible, I guess. Oh, they. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's cool. You don't often get. Well, I mean, you do now in 2019, but it still feels like rare to have a proper women's no DQ match where they don't kind of mess around with the stipulation yeah and they I mean do a no DQ match it was kind of it was a bit silly really I mean it was a weird match I think um she did black heart is talented clearly talented she actually had a run in NXT before and Triple H apparently was a big fan but she had um she failed some medical some sort of heart complication the heart issue which meant that she couldn't pass their medicals and they said she could go back one day if she gets that sorted out so she might one day make it back to NXT but that gives an idea of her talent um mm. brandy lauren um she was man she was a manager ringside in the first match of the, the future is now showcase i think she's a better manager she was good at ringside knowing where the hard cam was reacting emoting for lack of a better word she was mm-hmm. very good at adding to the, the first match not so good in the ring um they had another female talent whose name escapes me come out and basically help brandy lauren beat up and was basically become a handicap match this match and the thing that stood out is that um basically Blackheart took a really nasty boot to the face at the start of the match which got her right in the nose and mouth and there was blood pretty early in the match coming out of her mouth of that and then later on she took a very hard dive to the outside of the ring and landed on a load of chairs so there was like some and and then there was some good like there was some weapon shots it was quite a hardcore like no dq match for the women in this one Mm -hmm. but Blackheart looks good I think I, I might have actually seen a gif of that dive into the chairs, and it yeah. did look really brutal. Black Card um, did need help leaving. Hopefully she's okay, and it was nothing serious. Yeah, fingers crossed. So, uh, obviously, Black Heart impressed you. Was there anyone else on, yeah, so on the card you think is one to watch for the future? Anthony Henry. Um, I tried looking him up a bit more. He doesn't have a Wikipedia page. That shows you how little there must be about this guy. But mm. he, he's probably better known in certain circles. But, yeah, this, this was a grudge match, but it was really... Um, it was like watching two guys do an MMA match in a wrestling ring. They were both really like working hard against each other in terms of the holds and the strikes. It was I'd recommend going back and watching this one or probably any match on the on the show just because it stood out to me the most that um both guys were trying really hard. And Anthony Henry cut they had like a video package before the match. He came across really well. He's got a good look. Um I think he's only about hundred and ninety pounds, so he's small smallish guy, but you could see him being some, you could, he'd be like the modern day Dean Malenko in like the cruiserweight division, but rather oh, than being cool. all about work submissions, it'd be MMA type moves instead. I so I I, def, I really enjoyed that match. Oh nice! So it was a bit like um, have you ever seen any of the blood sport shows that they do around WrestleMania? I think it's I've previously not, been Matt Riddle's. Yeah, blood I know sport. Matt Riddle's been in them, so yeah, you can imagine that kind of style going on. Really, that kind of yeah, that yeah. Kind of, 
like work shoot kind of style i quite yeah. like that there yeah. was like you know there was lots of like you know sudden like waist takedowns and things like that and scissors, you know, mid mid scissors and all these kind of things going on to just try and get each other down on the ground and then like the strikes yeah 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 oh cool that's the style of wrestling that you don't really yeah it's not really on any of the big shows that's that kind of stood out really but they were yeah. doing this and that's why like, i i got into that probably more than any match just because i got drawn in by the opening promo and then the, the actual like quality of wrestling being a bit different and just high quality was really good so that stood out so talking about matt riddle him and drew gulak yeah that was a, that was an enjoyable match as well and it's good to see drew gulak get to do proper wrestling with someone that can keep up with him and matt riddle likewise yeah it's not that's a match where it's one of those matches you wouldn't think about it but on hearing it I mean, obviously, Evolve fans already know that that match is probably going to be a great one, but I don't. I didn't. And yeah, hearing if someone said, "Oh yeah, Matt Riddle versus Drew Gulak's on the card tonight," I'd be excited about that match. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, so and it's just because I knew who these these guys were as well, so like that helps. I mean, when it came to the grudge match for um, like Anthony Henry and Ruiz, I didn't know who either of them were, so it was a bit harder to get into it. But mm-hmm. that's probably why I'm more impressed with it because it was te- about ten minutes and. I just it was the one match I had a lot. I was trying to do other things, but that's the one match I remember. I didn't really. I paid attention to the whole thing, basically. Oh, okay, cool. Attention. That is high praise. Yeah, and like I said, it was a fun overall show. Paul Heyman came out before the winner takes all match for the uh, between for the um, WWN and the Evolved Championships. I've got no idea what kind of working relationship these guys have, but it was just fun to combine the two belts because it isn't because you end up having like indie talent that can work both shows i don't know but um mm. it was hard to get into some of those kind of things but overall fun show definitely like not as crisp as you would expect but it was like an indie type level show paul Heyman came out before that match like i think i was saying and did a good little promo to hype it all up it was very much but the crowd is very much like a progress crowd we've been to where they're all really into everything. Oh, that's cool. It, I like that's why I like progress, really. Uh, so it's cool then that there's like an uh, American pro promo promotion that manages to kind of evoke that evoke that spirit yeah, as well. So I, I guess that 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 unification match might have made a bit more had a bit more impact with you if you'd known either of the companies involved in it in, in advance. Yeah, um, that's the thing. Like, it was hard to really invest in some of this stuff. That's an odd one, though. Like, two completely separate indie companies having a unification match. Was there a clear winner in the match as well? Yeah, Austin Theory um, defended the Evolve belt and also won the WWN belt. So, yeah, I don't know where they go from that. Cause, like, and I, I've, I just been reading online, like, a lot of it, like, I've never watched the show before. A lot of like, the sites doing the reviews are like, I don't know what this means. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> No, that's that's exactly it. Are they like warring? Uh, like, is this similar to uh, Rev Pro versus Progress Unification match, which is something you'd never want to see, or is it? Or you, well, not you'd never want to. You would just never see. Or is it like a SmackDown versus Raw type situation? You know, yeah, kind of. Hard yeah. to know. I mean, like, I'm sure there's people. There might be one person listening to this, but could probably saying, "I know all of that, and I'll explain it." But like I say, the majority of people listening to this and but probably watched it had never seen most of the guys on this roster before or knew much about it and were checking it out mm. for curiosity's sake. Well, I mean, if you do know the story, get at us on Twitter because we don't, and and I I think I quite like to. Um, so how was the overall kind of production levels of this show? Because obviously indie shows can sometimes be a bit shaky. I know Progress is kind of intentionally a bit shaky, 
um, was, in their production. Yeah, it was. I mean, it figured they had some good video packages and promo packages. There was a few like weird moments of okay, let's show the um, rampway. So the guys that were just had a match are walking up the rampway, but let's show the like the sort of mini Titantron we've got for ages while they're leaving, while we wait to cut to a video package, rather than doing something a bit slicker. Or going to the mm-hmm. announcers, for example. They didn't have that slickness. It was like, oh, we're just showing the rampway. And also you can see that all the fans aren't really behind any sort of barricade. They're just sort of sat there in rows. So they were sort of like in the camera as well. So it was, oh, a, it, nice. was a, it was a little things there. But like very, very much. It's, what you expect, it was a well put together independent show. And you would not expect it to be WWE level. But they put together some good video packages. And you know, it all sounded good. There was no, there wasn't anything where I was like, oh god, this sound, this sounds awful. You can't hear the crowd. The announcers were cut out. They put together a solid overall presentation for the budget they probably had. Oh, that's cool then. So no obvious production botches or yeah, I think they might. I think they cut one. They cut one video off short at one point. And went to a match because I think they made they really they had the timing wrong. That was about it. Oh yeah, I mean, I I can't even imagine what timing a wrestling show is is like and how yeah. much. It must be being a floor manager, so yeah. fair and, enough. And it ended with Johnny Gargano coming out, like basically challenging Adam Cole, who left, and then Johnny and Tazawa just in the ring, basically celebrating and telling everyone how great Evolve is. Oh, okay. Cool. So Cole beat Tazawa then. Yes, so that was a. You may, I don't. Know, I, I figured that was just a taken for granted, but you're right. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, Adam Cole did not lose the NXT Championship. No to way. Tazawa on an Evolve show. <laughs> I'm. I mean, I'm not that surprised about that, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, if you wanted to go back and watch it, it's worth just checking out like the intro. But I guess just understanding a bit more about Evolve. And yeah, my one match was the grudge match. But I think some people would enjoy the whole thing. It's just being aware that you won't know who most of the people are, which sometimes makes it. I think if we were watching it like live, like when we go to live shows and you don't know who someone is, you can get into it more because you're there live and you're just working. Yeah. You're the face. You're the heel. I will cheer. When you're watching at home, it's not the same. Yeah, that's true. So, how did the did the commentary not do kind of a good job of of putting over who was who? Or oh yeah, they did. I, just... think, I think they did pretty good. It's, just, it's still like it's hard to invest where the commentators are telling you about something. And like, I think AEW, like even like Double or Nothing, had the same thing where it's like, okay, this is a really good match, but I you're trying to tell me who these people are, and I've got no idea who they are. Yeah, I, I guess without kind of repeated viewing or repeated exposure then you probably you're just not going to have the kind of same emotional connection are you so that makes sense but it's cool that the commentary was still pretty good yeah i mean worth checking out if you want something different but there was so much wrestling going on this weekend this was definitely not the this was definitely not the show you had to see cool and so that if there was one match to pick out of all of them to watch you'd say it's the grudge match yeah just because it was something different really that you won't see that match on any of the other shows Oh, OK, cool. So I'll, I'll probably check that out then. Because, yeah, you're right. Like you say, there's so much wrestling. Uh, and so, yeah, you, you've got to make decisions about what you can watch because people can only watch so much. Yeah. Cool. I think that, that covers G1 and Evolve. So Yes. Busy, busy. So next up will be, I don't know if we'll be doing Extreme Rules or Fighter Fest. I guess that'll be coming down to Extreme Broad to make that decision. Yes, the, it is, he's going to be extreme broad this time rather than just regular broad. Or is he always extreme broad? I don't know. Like, I hope he's going to be more extreme either way. Uh, okay. Well, exciting. I look forward to hearing it. So back after this break. This podcast is affiliated with the WWL Meetup Group. 
WWL or Watch Wrestling London get together with many fans to watch pay-per-view replays on Monday nights and attend live events across London, be it WWE, Progress, Rev Pro, Eve and many more. It's a great way to watch wrestling with friendly people and all are welcome to join. You can find out more at WatchWrestling.London or just Google Watch Wrestling London and you'll find the meetup page. So welcome back, everyone. Jason's still here, but I've had to tuck Sam up into bed so that he can carry on with his epic G1 marathon that he's having to do in the early hours. But that means we are into the extreme part of the show, which means we have unboxed Broad. Broad, how are you? Fuck you. Extreme Broad! Sorry, I thought I'd go with the extreme. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm really good. You know, it's been a nice sunny week. Can't complain. Good, good. So Sam and I did all the small talk banter already. We covered G1 and Evolve, so we can go straight into the meat for Is Extreme Rules. Mm-hmm. Very good indeed. Right. Um, so <clears throat> I guess context everyone, I did watch this with Broad on Monday, but due to stupid real life stuff like work, I missed the first half of the show, which I've since gone back and watched, so I'm up to date. But Broad, you watched the whole thing, I guess, replayed in the correct order. What's your overall thought on the show? Uh, so, yeah, I watched the whole thing there and there on the Monday night. And uh, so I came out of it pretty negative, if I'm honest, to start with. I was like, that's a C, C minus show. I think the problem was that I wasn't really invested in any of the storylines heading into Extreme Rules. I think it's the least invested I've been in Dodo products since about 2010 when I stopped watching. However, looking back on it, and I still need to rewatch it, I think, at some point, um, I really couldn't think of an out-and-out bad match on the card. I was thoroughly entertained by the main event. I was thoroughly enta- entertained by the opener, which was uh, Roman Reigns, Undertaker, Drew McIntyre, Shane McMahon. Uh, Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley was really fun. Um, on the whole, oh, on the SmackDown tag team title match, it was also really good. So on the whole, yeah, I think it was actually a pretty good show. And I'm not sure what I was negative about, if I'm being brutally honest. Okay, <clears throat> let's just start. I guess I did. Do you watch the pre-show? No, I didn't. I, I wish I did, just for the Nakamura Balor match. Yeah, but, so- uh I did manage to watch this um, live, I guess, before going to bed on Sunday night in the UK. Um, <clears throat> and I think that may be what set me off on a sour note for the whole show, because Finn Balor lost the belt to Nakamura in just about eight minutes. It wasn't the best match. It was OK. But I was like another example of a very short title reign for the secondary belts. I can't remember the last significant title reign that someone had at IC or US level. And I just didn't see why they were taking up with Finn already. It seems like they've probably got some other plans for him based on what happened on Raw. But that just set me off, I guess, on on the wrong note before then watching the rest of the show. So, so yeah, I mean, at the time, it's like, huh, Nakamura kind of out of nowhere. And now with the reports with uh, Bala, you know, potentially taking time off SummerSlam, I assume he's going to lose to Bray Wyatt at SummerSlam. Um it kind of all makes sense uh, if that time off's been approved to take the Intercontinental Championship off of him. On the flip side, if he 
if he hasn't been given that time off, I think it could be a form of punishment. So either way, um, hindsight being what it is, it made sense to change the title uh, around this point. Yeah, and yeah, I think it just tied into my. I'm sick of short reigns for these level belts. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. going to go for every. Don't want to go for every single match on the show. But so, did, what what did you have as your actual favorite match? Were you saying was it the uh, SmackDown tags or something else? Uh, so I'm going to be honest. I love the last man standing match between Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley. It's my type of match. It's a covers covers what this pay per view should be, which is extreme. B, it's I, I was thoroughly sports entertained. This is WWE being its WWE best. You know, you get two heavyweights who are never going to have a five-star technical classic. So what are you going to do? You're going to play up to their strengths. I'm not sure if this is Paul Heyman booking or Vince McMahon booking, but, you know, whoever booked this, uh, whichever agents designed this match, they put on a really fun show. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed these two. I enjoyed the ending. It was dumb like in a great way and and Strowman is dumb you know <clears throat> Strowman is enjoyably dumb and hey. this was 2017 Braun Strowman pre-crown jewel Braun Strowman um this is a Braun Strowman we know and love this is the best use of Bobby Lashley I've seen since some he's been called back to Raw um so yeah I think this was absolutely fantastic match great um, fun I think my favourite on this card, like looking back over it, was probably the SmackDown tag title match. I think I enjoyed that the most. I think that's when I had the most fun watching. I think that was really fun. I think they missed an opportunity to put it on heavy machinery and establish new stars as tag team. Yeah, I wasn't happy with the result. I didn't. Yeah. Of all the teams I wanted to have to have the belts, Lude were the one I did not want to see coming out of here with the tag belts. I mean, it, it was cool having that moment with Kofi, Biggie, and Xavier Woods having the tag titles together. Uh, sorry, having all three championships together, um, making the New Day look like a really strong faction. So in that way, it was good. But yeah, I it's not an anti-New Day thing. I love the New Day. I think they're fantastic. I've been against splitting them for a long time. I know there's quite a few fans that want to split them up. I don't like that idea at all. But yeah, I think it's a missed opportunity to really put heavy machinery over. I think Daniel Bryan eating another pin. Maybe it'll lead to something on SmackDown. Didn't this past week. Um, but, you know, maybe it'll lead to some other storyline. But, yeah, a kind of wrong winner. And that's the only criticism I have. The match itself, brilliant fun. Yeah, and on the flip side, what was the worst match on the show? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it's almost from- disappointing. Whichever way you so want to read I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to exclude the Brock Lesnar cash in, which we'll talk about in a minute, and Kevin Owens versus Dolph Ziggler, because those serve yeah. their purposes. Yeah. Um, there's three matches that were disappointing. Uh, um, the Raw Tag Team title match, the SmackDown Women's title handicap match, and I felt, for me, the United States Championship match between AJ Styles and Ricochet. But out of the three, I'd have to probably put the SmackDown Women's title match as being the most disappointing. Um, it's a handicap match for a title. I don't know why WWE have been doing these for a while now. It's crap. The champion always wins. Um, so it's crap, predictable. Uh, I wouldn't say crap. It was predictable, average. Um, really doesn't help either woman here. I think the only woman that looks good out of this is Bailey, And thank God she's facing Ember Moon for the title because she could finally have that great match that she deserves. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't think that this was a great match. This is the last. This ended up being the last match I watched because that's when I sort of got to the pay per view replay was during the Bron match. So then when I went back last night and I sort of caught up, it was seeing Bailey v Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss was my main event. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strange one. Um, of the matches I, you mentioned, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No heel turn as well from Alexa. I'm, I'm wondering what they're doing. They punted that for another time, haven't they? It's almost like they're gonna again. They're gonna get this where we actually believe maybe Alexa is gonna go face. And maybe they're going to finally drag it out. So we actually think it might happen. Then she'll go heel again. Yeah, I kind, I kind of want that team hell no dynamic. I mean, I don't think it suits Nikki Cross as a character. Um, I want crazy Nikki Cross back. And yeah, I eventually, this leads to that. Everyone wants NXT Nikki Cross, but I think she does well considering the crap that she's been given. Um, I think they're better off. Be, especially with women's tag team division needs tag teams. I think. Yeah, if the storylines are done right, I think those two could really do well in that division. And I'm so pleased that Bailey won. Relieved that Bailey won because I want her to have a long championship reign. Yeah, um, I think of all the matches you mentioned, of those three you picked that disappointed. The one that I I don't know, enjoyed it, but at least what is definitely the most disappointing match of the whole show was AJ Styles versus Ricochet for the United States title. I was expecting mm-hmm. something really special from these guys, and it was boring. It was generally AJ Styles beating down Ricochet. And they were trying to give Ricochet a few hope spots, but there was not the level of high-flying you'd have wanted, and there was not this back-and-forward match. It was just a different type of match, which works when you're trying to establish a heel like AJ with the pre-match beatdown. But, man, it was dull. Yeah, great finish, though. Um, I think... I don't. I, I think there was a bit, few more spots than you remember uh, that Ricochet pulled off. But I think people were expecting this cocky AJ Styles, when in actual fact, uh, this new AJ Styles is an aggressive AJ Styles, and I think it's trying to get away from because he is getting older, so he's picking and choosing when he's doing these matches now. So I think it's getting across this new aggressive character, um, which works. I think what would have really helped is if he really worked. The, see how I would have done it. If I can fantasy book for one second is AJ Styles works over Ricochet's leg and you would have him tap out to the calf crusher, you know, or just technical knockout. Like Ricochet cannot stand anymore because, you know, his leg's gone, uh, but he doesn't tap out. And therefore you put Ricochet over strong and you put AJ Styles over strong. Something along those lines. Um, I think the title change was a good idea, though. And then, the, 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 yeah, the title change, I guess it makes sense. And you can imagine maybe they're going to go to this at SummerSlam and give us the big payoff match. Maybe that'll be the one we deserved. Yeah. That happened. I, I hope so. And I think, I think it will. I think they're building towards that, judging by Raw. And, yeah, it makes sense if you want to put the club over as, like, a good, strong heel faction. An immediate win like this for Styles is beneficial. Yeah, I get that. Um, moving on to another point, we didn't talk, talk about it yet. As to Black versus Cesaro, solid match, an amazing black mask kick at the end. And I was really happy to see As to Black actually wrestling and not cutting those awful, weird, bad acted, like cupboard promos he's been doing on SmackDown. Did yeah, you enjoy that, seeing Black do what he's good at. Oh yeah, this is great fun. Uppercut City, uh, for uppercut party. Sorry, from Cesaro. Um, yeah, this is this is a good match. Not. An outstanding match, which I think if they had a bit more time, they could have really done. But they, you know, they did tell a good story with Black working over Cesaro's leg. Um, yeah, that Black Mass is just phenomenal. Probably the best finisher in WWE, in my opinion. 
Um, you know, right. And no rest holds. Amazing. You know, the way Cesaro took that, that was amazing. Oh, his eyes glaze over. I mean, that's great selling. Uh, both of these are really good at wrestling. There was no rest holds. Yeah, it was a very good reintroduction of Alistair Black. And also, it made Cesaro look kind of strong too. Uh, yeah, um, as the Black gets some good matches now, similar to this, just keep having him do what he did because he, he's got all the good signature moments in for him, so that was cool. Um, do you want to talk about the two really quick matches as well? So, Kevin Owens defeated Dolph Ziggler in 17 seconds, and Brock Lesnar defeated Seth Rollins in 13 seconds. Uh, let's save Brock to last. Uh, Kevin Owens, yeah, I don't care about Dolph Ziggler, I was happy it was over. I didn't yeah. want to see it. I didn't want to see the match. I just want to see Kevin Owens cut a promo. I got Kevin Owens cutting a promo. Kevin Owens is awesome. Can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah. I Hopefully this... a quick one and done feud with Shane McMahon, bury him and then, you know, Easy E does something big with KO. Yeah, there were this was a thirteen like match card, including the pre show. Something had to go short, this seemed like a good choice. Yeah. Yeah, the best and, choice. Yeah, and I'm hoping that I He's going to actually get some momentum as a babyface, keep hitting standards, and the crowd wants to cheer him after this weird back and forward after he first came back. It's good to see him being his weird little heel run. It seems like him and Sami Zayn aren't friends again. He's going to be a badass, like every match. Cool to see. What about mm-hmm. the Beast, Brock Lesnar, cashing in the bank? Was this the right call? Was this too early? And what set title run? Um. Yeah, so I'm, you're breaking up a tiny bit, by the way. Um, so Brock Lesnar, yes. Um, I don't know really how I feel about this one. I I always think he is a great universal champion. He is the top boss. There is no one quite like him, and he changes the presence in a room, and I love the fact that his matches uh, are different to everyone else. And I think, you know, he brings an extra presence that no one has. But I kind of want to see Seth Rollins with it back at SummerSlam. I think the fans want to see that, and I think they want to see a clean Seth Rollins victory. So if it leads to a clean Seth Rollins victory that we didn't get at Mania at SummerSlam, then... Yeah, it's the right call. But until then, we don't know. And I think yeah. fans need to show. An, I think fans need to show an element of patience. Yeah, I think mean, that's what happens because Seth held the belt for about a hundred days, I think, and he's pretty much been in a feud with Baron Corbin the entire time. One match with AJ Styles, and yeah. then it's been Corbin. Weird enough, the Corbin stuff is actually better in terms of story than the AJ Styles one. Make of that what you will. Um, what do you think of the main event itself? Um, the main event, I, I, I guess I kind of found it interesting that they were all over Lacey Evans on the entrance. That we've not seen that for a while with the cameras all over her routine. That was strange. And then that's the Becky being hit by the end of days by Get Baron. And I think those are the two things that like beginning and end, but really stood out to me. Thinking about it, yeah, I mean, it I... was fine. It wasn't amazing. It was fine. Uh, I enjoy this match more than way more than I thought I would. Um, yeah, I think the Lacey's ass thing, let's be blunt about it, was more to highlight the fact that she has Seth written across her more than. It didn't. Yeah, him. I didn't realize that until after that. I didn't realize Seth yeah. was written on there. It just didn't show up well on camera. No, it didn't at all. Because um, I like that was pointed out to me later down the line. It's like, oh, 
the reason why they did that is because Seth was cross uh, her lady tights. And... Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Cut that out. Um, sorry about that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, where was I? So, yeah, I actually really enjoyed this match. I, you know, uh, Dave Meltzer gave it three and a quarter stars, and I kind of agree. I thought this was actually way more fun than I expected. I really enjoyed the table spots. I think the fans were rubbish throughout the night, by the way, but, you know, that's just me. I think the table spots were fun. The, ken- the simultaneous kendo stick from Becky and Seth to Baron and Lacey, I thought that was really good. Very, very Shaun the Dead-esque, but, yeah, that end of days is the most amazing end of days I've ever seen, and I'm shocked. I am shocked. WWE had the balls for Baron Corbin to do that to Becky Lynch. Yeah, you don't see much man or woman violence in WWE these days. I think we saw a bit of Nia Jax in the Rumble, but it's not much often they go there, and she sold it like a champ. Oh, I mean, you couldn't love Becky anymore. Like, just doing that and just selling like an absolute boss. I mean, she's amazing. I think her and Seth, you know, they really carried Corbin and Evans to a really good match here, and it is really good. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny it. I, I was thoroughly entertained, and I think a lot of people were like, "Eh, it's pants." What else yeah, do I... you want for Becky and Seth to do with these two individuals? They, they pulled out all the stops. I was impressed. Yeah. I have a different view on this show. It's like I missed the first half, and I got there late because I've had busy tired i just wanted to get a couple of beers and watch wrestling and i think when i went back and watched the first half of the show i enjoyed that more because you had the spectacle of the no hold barred as the black and cesaro really enjoyable and then i was enjoying seeing the revival i maybe seen the first half of the show and then the second half i might have enjoyed the second half more instead i just came in and i was like oh i'm not sure about this aj match and some of the other and some other joe and Kofi. Yeah, it might be my personal situation. I mean, I didn't enjoy it as much as you. Yeah, no, I mean, same. Like, um, you know, I just wasn't in the mood on Monday, and on, on reflection, I was like, you know what? And I will say this: like every wrestler on that night, even Shane McMahon, really put in one hundred percent effort, and you know, one hundred and ten percent effort, and it showed because you know, there wasn't an out and out bad match on that card. There were some not-so-good ones, but it was not an out-and-out bad match. And, uh, by the way, I really do want to talk about the opener, um, just because it deserves a bit of credit. Undertaker, yeah. man. Let's he had a good it. match. Shane McMahon had a good match. What he the hell? Struggle. He, struggled to, he struggled to get Shane up for the tombstone at the end. A bad like, balance, I guess. But other than that, it seemed to all come together pretty good. Yeah, I'm not sure who's to blame for that one, whether I'm it's Taker. Shane. Mm. I, I've seen Taker fail with Roman Reigns before, so uh, I'm not I'm not going to judge either either dude. Um, but apart from that, yeah, I love that spot where Drew McIntyre disappears over Shane, uh, sorry, over Undertaker's shoulder, and then Roman Reigns comes out of nowhere with a spear, best Roman spear of all time. I just got to say that I thought that was fantastic. Um, yeah, I thought this was a blast, especially the final third when Elias interfered and then it just went all crazy. This is the right use of The Undertaker because it covered up his weaknesses. This is the right use of Shane McMahon. 
because it covered up his weaknesses. And then you've got two heavyweights that can carry a match like this in Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre, both fantastic guys. Uh, you know, um, four stars in my opinion. What do you think from this? Undertaker versus Shane, or as has been rumoured? Or do you reckon that's Undertaker back in his box for a bit? Back in his box. I mean, there's no mention on Raw of The Undertaker because Drew McIntyre's facing Cedric Alexander, uh, which is weird. And I think Shane McMahon's next feud is with Kevin Owens. And I think, I think this is going to be a way to write Shane McMahon off as a heel for a while um, and put really put Kevin Owens over. See, I could I could see them deciding after Drew lost to Cedric on Raw. Maybe there's a I need to prove how big and bad I am, and I'm going to beat the Undertaker in a casket match at SummerSlam. And I've seen the rumors of a casket match with Undertaker and Drew at SummerSlam, but that feels like the where they could actually make sense and go. Yeah, I mean, my question is, what's next for Roman? Uh, yeah, who knows at the moment? I don't know. <laughs> he's on his car. I re- I've got a weird feeling he might face Elias because that's like the last person in the Shane McMahon vortex of mid-card evil or that or Baron Corbin one of the one of the mid-card vortexes of evil it makes sense he's transitioned to Baron Corbin actually sense. cool um, I mean let's wrap this up for this one because we need to make sure we've got time to talk a little bit about AEW what's your overall rating for this show uh yeah, B plus I think B plus is a very fair grade. I think it was a really good show. Yeah, see, I'm just struggling with anything other than a C plus, really, just because like I say it was solid, but nothing really amazed me like I was hoping. Um, any, do you want to give an MVP? Yeah, so I'm give my MVP to Becky Lynch just for taking that end of days. That's the only reason why. Uh, yeah, that end taking that end of days is just oh man, amazing. I love that. I absolutely love that moment. Let's take a short break and then we can get your thoughts on AEW. Fight for the Fallen. Hey you, if you like the podcast, then remember to like the Holy Shoe Wrestling Podcast on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Holy Shoe Pod. Do it! Do it now! So the night before Brod got extreme, he also was watching AEW's Fight for the Fallen. Brod, I didn't get a chance to see this show, so I'm going to be asking you questions about it. So overall views. Um, I enjoy this show more than Fighter Fest or Double or Nothing. I think that's the best more way to summarize it. Double or Nothing? I can understand yeah. Fighter Fest, Double or Nothing. Interesting. Explain. So this show hasn't got the best reviews, and I think the reason why is because there wasn't a five-star match on it. However, uh, yeah, I just felt the wrestling was better across the board, except for one match, which was bad. Um, Like, bad, bad. Um, But apart from that, yeah, I thought the wrestling was good to great. On the whole, I thought, you know, you're finally understanding some of these characters a bit more, the way it's developed into All Out. I think there's a bit more storyline. So therefore, for me, I'm now a bit more invested. You know, the problem with Double or Nothing for me is half these matches were just, this is exhibition. You know, there's, there's no build. 
none of it was a dream match. Um, none of them were particularly dream matches. You know, the, the, the main event was a rematch from a New Japan show and they did it better in New Japan. So, like, Double or Nothing was good, but I didn't think it was mind-blowing like everyone else said it was. You know, I thought it was a bit by comparison. And Fighter Fest, I just thought, was okay. Um, but, yeah, no, I really enjoyed Fight for the Fallen more more. More than I thought. Um, it probably helped that I didn't watch the pre-show. Apparently, that wasn't very good. But yeah, I also I really the pre-show was better than the last couple. It actually had a bit more sense and less complete gaga going on. Yeah, uh, I hope Britt Baker gets better soon. That's all I can say because I didn't watch it. Uh, I kind of wish I did just to see the reaction between Sonny Kiss and Peter Avalon. Apparently, the librarians got booted out of the building, but. Uh, yeah, I didn't watch the pre-show. I wasn't interested. Uh, you know, there's only so much wrestling you can watch in one week. Yeah. I'm afraid. Well, on that, one of the criticisms I heard about was that the show was too long in total. Um, I think I don't know how many hours it ran in total, but it wasn't like if you watched the beginning of the pre-show and the whole event, it was like nudging five hours apparently, like, the whole total thing. So, yeah, long, that was one criticism I heard, and there was a couple of long matches as well on here, like you know, twenty minutes for the. Versus Seema and 30 minutes for the Young Buckley Brotherhood. Did you feel like it was a long show or did you did it fly by? Uh, well, I had a, I was having a few beers through uh, this event, so I thought it flew by by comparison. I um I had no problems with the length of the matches to be honest, uh, except for a couple of instances. But that's more to do with the fact of trying to put people over as strong uh, more than the actual length of time that each match took uh but we can get more into that when we break down these matches a bit more yeah well, let's ask which so what was the match of the night oh i this is controversial because i know some people said this went on for too long but for me it was the main event the young bucks defeating cody and dustin Rhodes. i thought this is terrific i love this match uh i give this four and a three quarter stars um I think the storytelling on the whole was brilliant. Um, I think young bucks when they're restrained are better wrestlers because of it. Because just because you're capable of doing something doesn't mean you should do it. I have always believed in the less is more mentality when it comes to wrestling. And that's why I sometimes think, uh, we're lost Bray. When we're lost Bray is fantastic. This is why I think, uh, young bucks when young bucks are fantastic, you know, and this proved why the Young Bucks are fantastic to me. And this is the best Young Bucks match I've seen in a long time. And, uh, well, I said, yeah. I I just say, so, um, and the Meltzer driver I've finished heard, I've the heard, match. I've heard this before because I, one way, I, love, I do like the Young Bucks, but one of my criticisms is the amount of stuff they do, which should be the finisher, which isn't the finisher, and like just over and over using all these big flashy moves. Yeah. But I know that they can do well booked into the site, well booked good psychology matches. It sounds like this is more one of those where it actually had a bit more like old old style to it rather than just trying to show what you can do. Absolutely, and this is why I love that match because it is it, it's new school wrestling with old school psychology. Which, I mean, it has psychology because I think some of these new wrestlers are guilty of not having it. But yeah, there's psychology, there's storytelling, there's selling. This match had everything as tick, 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 tick. People can complain about the length. I don't care. I think this was fantastic. And it was worth 
every second of my time. And I recommend this match. It's probably my favourite tag team match this year. And high praise. And it sounds like the Young Bucks have been set up for the all-out event to take on the Lucha Brothers. Yeah, in a ladder match. Um, mm. Yeah, I I think this might suit both teams, actually, because I think I've already seen Pentagon and Phoenix do a TLC match with LAX, and that was really good. Uh, If you haven't watched that match at Impact uh, Rebellion, if I remember correctly, go back and watch it. Great spot fest. These two teams are designed for spot fest. Ladders are designed for spot fest. I have no doubt that this match will entertain a hell of a lot of people. Yeah, um, anytime the Lucha Brothers on TV, you know there's going to be something impressive. So mm-hmm. that's going to be a great match for all that. Um, so that was your best match. What was the worst match on the show? Oh, Brandy Rose versus Ali. Seemed like an obvious choice. I mean, I'm surprised that Austin Kong showed up again. It felt like that was a one-off, but she's back again. Yeah, no, I didn't think it was a one-off because they had awesome Kong match. Uh, so I kind of assumed she was coming back at some point. But yeah, Kong versus Kong. Oh god. Uh it's something I'm not excited for. And it's like to give some context, Orson Kong v Aya Kong rather than Kong facing herself. In case anyone yeah. yeah, I just don't care. I think ten years ago that would be fantastic, but it's twenty nineteen. There's younger talent to put over. Um both women are past the prime. And uh yeah, but even even with the awesome Kong at ringside stuff. I think Brandy Rose versus Ali was just bad. I don't think Brandy Rose is a particularly good wrestler. I don't think Ali's a particularly good wrestler. They're better storytellers, but even so, I expected something better than this 10-minute snooze fest. And the spear at the end was just bloody awful, in my opinion. Uh, this, was, this was bad. I mean, Meltzer gave it one and a half, but I think if it was WWE, it'd be a half a star. It, maybe, uh, they, they, I, I, maybe they should I, have I, cut the match time in half know, and it might you know have been what? better. It would have been better if the match wasn't even on the card. Zero stars. I will say this about AEW. Their women's division is quite poor at the moment, and that's a shame. I don't think it's yeah. booked badly and treated like a joke. But there you go. So what did you make of the um, triple threat tag team match? Because the Dark Order amused me because it's just that like, old school cartoonish heels. But I've also become quite a fan of Luchasaurus or and his dinosaur as Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Um, and also Angelica and Jack Evans' match. Was this good? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty good match. Um, loads of spots. Uh, yeah, I kind of feel the three-way tag thing is a bit silly in terms of why can't it be a triple threat match and all tag team partners are on the outside um i've always i've always felt that triple threat tag team matches are a bit weak source except for the couple of ones they've done at takeovers but apart from that yeah fantastic spots i think jungle boy and luchasaurus um is something to get excited about because i think they're a really fun tag team i think they i i know they're looking for a more sports like presentation but i think this is be over in any promotion a boy and his pet dinosaur i think it's just dumb and i love it i absolutely love it and i think both guys are fantastic uh i think they've got so much potential as a tag team and i don't think they should go their own ways anytime soon i think they really should just actually be a tag team permanently and i think they need to be 
you know, further up the card because I think both guys are fantastic. Yeah, they won a team before. I think they kind of ended up just in group together just from like stuff since the pre-show, wasn't it? It's just become a team based on that. And yeah. I like Luchasaurus. I'm not a big fan of Jungle Boy, but I do like Luchasaurus. I think Jungle, I think he's young. And, you know, that's the best thing about people like him is they're young, they've got a lot to learn, but I have no doubt he'll have the ability to learn it because, you know, he's got that quiet confidence about him. And can you explain to me, I'm still trying to, every time I see the stipulations of these matches, because this is the second one they've done where a winner gets to advance to All Out for an opportunity at a first-round buy in the tag tournament. So they haven't got a first-round buy, but they would go to All Out and get the opportunity to earn a buy into the tournament, which hasn't been announced or confirmed anyway yet. Yeah, I don't know. But I think it, I think they wanted to set up the Dark Order versus... Uh, oh, God, who's the tag team that won in the pre-show? The uh, best friends. Yeah, because I think that's what they've been setting up all this time. Because yeah. uh, Dark Order appeared twice after the best friends match so it kind of makes sense that they have that and something on the line as well um i think they really want to put over the dark order i don't get it but that's just me i find them amusing given a push to in this company i think that i don't get it i think they're rubbish in terms of an act i think they're good wrestlers um but in terms of character work it's confusing like are you comedy are you serious what are you and they i don't think AEW knows i don't think these wrestler knows whoever booking it is doesn't know and it shows and it looks amateur hour and that's why i don't like them not not their in-ring work their in-ring work was pretty good in this match i have to say but yeah yeah. Um, I also want to just touch on the six-man tag match that they opened the main show with because it's got your boy MJF in it. So it's MJF, it's Sammy, my boy, MJF. M- MJF, Sammy Guerrero and Sean Spears, previously tied Dillinger. Team despite MJF coming to Cody's aid at the last show, but um, they did sort of explain that commentary has been forced together against Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc and Jerry Janela. Um, how did your boy get on? Uh, my boy won. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, this is a match to set up uh, to really set Sean Spears as a new heel. His uh, coming out with uh, the American Nightmare style T-shirt, but it's uh, Sean Spears much is actually pretty fun to look at. They did tease MJF and Sean Spears fighting each other at points um, in the match. This was a really entertaining opener. Definitely worth watching. I think the only downside is Darby Allen took the pin, which kind of, yeah, I, I don't get why he had to take the pin. You get why? Because um, he, he had a match with Cody, right, but when to Tony, yeah. Spears wants to show he could beat him and Cody couldn't. It seems like they're setting that match up for All Out. Uh, that works. I just think you want to make Darby, I mean, Cody couldn't beat Darby Allen, so they want to make Darby Allen strong, but then he loses to Sean Spears. Which I get makes Sean Spears look super strong, but it's the expense of whatever Darby Allen is supposed to be. You know, Darby Allen is supposed to be the guy that takes all the punishment. So in this situation, I'd had Havoc or Janela eat the pin instead. Probably Havoc, because I think there's more money in Janela. Um, but that's just me. 
Um, I guess I, I understand that I understand the booking logic, but I get your point as well. Yeah, it's kind of like future down the line, you know. And then you could really play off Sean Spears saying, <laughs> "I beat Darby Allen," and Cody be like, "But you didn't pin him; you pinned Jimmy Havoc or something like that." You know, you could really play on that. But yeah, that that's just me. It's a fun opener, nothing really to write home about, but it's definitely worth watching if you know if you want to check out any like AEW stuff. Definitely worth a watch. Yeah. And I have got an MJF fiend present for you that I can hand over to you next time we see each other if I've got it on me, which you're going to appreciate. Ooh! Yeah, it's a Burberry that. scarf. It's not a Burberry scarf. Uh, you'll, you'll see uh, when we get a chance to actually meet up in person in the next week uh, or so. Um, so we've covered most of the card I mean anything else you wanted to mention about this show yeah I mean the other three matches are worth talking about briefly uh, let's start with Lucha Brothers SCU that's a fun match I don't remember too much about it but the right team won finally Lucha Brothers get a win I hope Lucha Brothers beat the Jacksons uh, sorry the Unbucks I don't know why I called them the Jacksons that's weird <laughs> uh, they haven't been called the Jacksons they've always been the Young Bucks or something right yeah I have no idea why I said that. Uh, it's mainly because I'm looking at the fight for the Fallen Card and Pro Fight DB, and uh, it's Matt Nick, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson doesn't say tag team names. Uh, so I'm like, oh, the Jackson. No, no, wrong. Um, that's definitely a really fun match. Um, definitely worth watching. Forget how fun SCU are. Shame Christopher Daniels got kicked out of ringside, but you know that that's just me. Um, so, yeah, the other two matches I did really want to talk about, which is Adam Page defeating Kip Sabian and Kenny Omega defeating Seema. These matches went on too long, but not because the matches itself were long to watch. There wasn't anything boring about them. It's just... Um, Adam Page is the number one contender. Surely you would want him having a quicker victory than that. And Kenny Omega is going to be one of your top guys. Surely you want a more dominant victory. I Let's get why... talk about that a little bit. Adam Page went 19 minutes with Kip Sabian, which is not what you do if you're number one contender for the belt in theory. Um, we, we did see around, you know, during the show, we should also mention there was the appearance of a certain sexy beast. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about him last. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah. 19 but, yeah. minutes to beat Kip Sabian. Eesh. It, it is a really good match to watch, and I think it does help Kip Sabian over, which I think they're actually interested in doing because they, they hadn't beat Sammy Guevara. I think they're really interested in tapping into the British market, and I think that's probably the reason why um, Kip Sabian won at Double or Nothing, the first of the singles match. I think that's the reason why Jimmy Havoc didn't eat the pin um, in the six-man tag. So I think they really do want to tap into the British market, but yeah... I know Adam Page has got a knee injury in quotes, but yeah, I, th- this doesn't work in terms of what they actually need to do. It needed to be quicker. And same with Kenny Omega and Seema. Like, Kenny Omega's facing John Moxley. If that match is less, then you're making John Moxley look weak, especially if John Moxley loses. Um, it's, Kenny Omega Seema is a fantastic match, by the way. But yeah, again, I think you need to make Omega look more dominant. I mean, Kenny Omega needed to get a win at least. At least he got the win. It would have been strange and have no wins going up against Moxley. So I guess it was the right decision, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's now two and one if you count the uh, six-man tag. But yeah, yeah. I I, I really I, I really like both matches. 
I think both matches are really good. I, I think that's the fairest thing I can say, but yeah, it just doesn't work like thinking about it. It doesn't really work like trying to put guys over. It's almost as bad as 50-50 booking, in my opinion. Fair enough. And do you want to talk about the sexy beast? Yeah, his promo is overhyped, in my opinion. It was unscripted, but I just didn't really care for it too much. Um... What yeah, did Jericho I, actually say in his promo? Was there anything of substance? No. Was it like, just, I deserve thanks? Yeah, I deserve thanks. Uh, I'm going to beat up, like, look what I did to Adam Page's eye and the beat down angle after Kip Sab- after his match with Kip Sabian because, you know, he hasn't, he's used, he used the Lucha mask yet again or Dark Order mask, I can't remember, but he used a mask again and, Hits the code breaker. Oh, what a surprise. Jericho did that. And then Jericho comes out, cuts a promo, and Adam Page comes out and it's a pull up a heart brawl. And I'm thinking, uh, uh, so underwhelming. It's not boring, it's just underwhelming. Um, it's, it's a Jericho promo. Jericho can't go wrong with promos, but it wasn't great. I think that's the thing. And I think when you're trying to build for your first world title match, it doesn't feel like the main event. And I feel, I have a suspicion that the main event might be Omega versus Moxley. That is the bigger draw when you think about it. It's unfortunate that's when you're trying to establish your title, but that's definitely the bigger draw on the show. Yeah, I think it would almost have been better having Kenny Omega, Adam Page, John Moxley, triple threat, almost like Moxley being an asshole gets his way or something like that. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it would have been better served and uh, not have Chris Jericho in the main event. How did Jericho look? Did he look like just a hungover rock star? Or what was his, what was his vibe? Uh, he's looking old now. Like, he's aged so much in the last two years. It's weird. I never, th- I never really thought of him like being that old until, you know, this past year. And it, it was starting to show. But, He's still like one of the coolest motherfuckers on the planet, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, oh my God, it's Chris Jericho. It, he's a really cool dude. So, you know, I don't really give a crap about what he looks like. He looks exactly the same as he did last month, the month before, but yeah. Definitely after, you know, the short-haired Jericho for a while, and then it was like, no, he's just looking like this ragged old, like, rocker with the stringy hair. And I yeah. guess it ties into his changing his gimmick to be a brawler. But I'd be if he could go back now if he wanted to. Could he go back to old Jericho? Was that never happening? I don't think that's happening. Like, you know, Jericho always reinvents himself. So that's the beauty of Jericho. And that's what's made him one of the greatest of all time. I mean, I'm definitely still a big fan of his. Uh, I'm still looking forward to see what he does next. Mm-hmm. Um, we've come back to the show. What's your overall rating for it? And did you have an MVP? Uh, yeah, I give the show a B. Um, yeah, it's not as good as Extreme Rules, but that's because there's less stories to tell. And I think... The women's match devalues it, and I think it went too long, but not because it felt long. Just a couple of matches could have been cut down. Um, but yeah, B on the whole. And, good. and my MVP... Oh, this is a tough one. Uh, usually I would joke and say my boy MJF, but not really. I'm going to give it to another person that match, actually, who I really enjoyed watching, and that's Sean Spears. I think he looked strong that match. He's definitely doing well now. He seems like the shackles are off. 
Yeah, yeah, but there's so many guys that were on the same level on that show. Like, there wasn't any one standout individual, in my opinion. But yeah, I really like Sean Spears' character work in this match. Cool. Fair enough. I, I'll have to abstain from the views to understand it, because as we discussed earlier, I actually chose to watch the Evolve show on the network and give that a go. So Sam and I talked about that in detail earlier. Ooh. So, what, what, so. What, what grade did you give it? Because I haven't listened to I didn't. Well, yeah, yeah, you want to jump into it? Yeah, well, I didn't really give it a grade. It was more and talking about what how strange it was to see what it's like an independent show on the network. And I cho- we chose not to give it a grade because it was more of a discussion about, oh, what's this? What does this mean? And who was the standard for us? We put a different angle on it. If I was to try and grade it, um, God, to go back and grade it now, um, it's probably a sort of B minus type show for what it would. But that's putting in context for the fact. That it was very much a sub NXT indie show. Sub NXT indie show. Wow. Okay. Uh, gr- you know, you made me really want to watch it. <laughs> oh, there was one or two matches. Like, yeah, when you when you go back and you know, you get to hear the first half of the show, Sam and I did. You'll see there's there's definitely a couple of things worth going and checking out. Overall. Yeah. What what matches are those? Just for me. <laughs> uh, Sorry, listen. It was. It was the. That was happening um, between someone, one of the guys from NXT. His name is God. What was that? It was Ruas. I'm trying to. Remember, I want to quickly try to pronounce his name correctly. It was Artero Ruas versus Anne Henry. It was a grudge match, which was more like an MMA fight in a wrestling ring, and that stood out to me. I'd recommend seeing that because, as we just talked about, it's Extreme Rules and um, Fight for the Fallen. Neither of those shows had a had a match on it like this one. Oh well, I'll definitely check that out. So, Rob, we've covered a lot today in terms of four very different shows. WWE, um, Evolve, um, AEW, you know, there's been a lot going on here. Yeah. And G1 updates from Sam. So, a lot going on. Hopefully it calms down a bit. Yeah, yeah. I might check out some G1 this weekend, finally, yeah, just because I have well, a bit of time. This weekend, you've got Moxley and Ishii is happening this Friday. So. Oh, wow. Uh, that's the one to go for. Oh, uh, yeah, is that wait? Is that that be Saturday morning over here, or I think it's be... Friday morning here? So you're gonna have to sort of watch it at work. Uh, I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch it when I get home. Um, but yeah, oh man, I'm 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 now I'm pumped for that match. <laughs> I'm really. I'm, Jason can't really explain. Neither can I. But I'm smiling from ear to ear right now. Like, oh my god, that match, dream match. Dream they're both um, undefeated so far in the tournament as well. Both, you know, especially Ishii's a bit of a surprise. So someone's got to give in that match. Yeah, um, Moxie will win. Yeah, I don't know. Sam thinks that Ishii might be going all the way, so we shall see. Um, Sprod, do you want to do your usual wrap-up? Uh, yeah, why not? So uh, thank you for joining us on today's show. Myself, Jason, Sam and hopefully channel chris we don't know really what's happened to them but hopefully they'll come back uh so join us again next week where we'll be talking more about the world of professional wrestling but remember to like us on facebook follow us on twitter at holy shoot pod follow us on instagram at holy shoot wrestling subscribe to our podcast give it five stars or a like wherever possible and that is the bottom line because this pod Set side. Never look back, no, never sit down.